It's Friday, April 5th, 2019. And from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. Here's a pretty good reason to root for the Philadelphia Eagles, even for those of us here in western Pennsylvania. Hear me out, Steeler fans. Whenever the Eagles kick a field goal, they celebrate by committing to plant 10 trees in Neshaminy State Park in Ben Salem. It's part of the team's award-winning sustainability program. But it's also part of a broader commitment to the greater Philadelphia community and its overall quality of life. The two are married, right? Sustainability, because you're building a park, you're building a green space, which is good for the environment. But guess what? It also has a social responsibility impact because now kids have a safe place to play. You're making the city a, a better place. We're celebrating springtime and tree planting season on this episode of Pennsylvania Legacies. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll look at how the 2018 Super Bowl champs are making their corner of the state a little greener. But first, that's just the ball. (laughs) About 40 more. Is this one right there? That was not ours, but we could certainly plant that. Peck's statewide reforestation program (laughs) is getting ready for another round of springtime tree planting events across the Commonwealth. It's an annual rite of spring for us, our partners, and the hundreds of volunteers who turn out each year to get their hands dirty planting seedlings on reclaimed former mine lands. Scott Egerud with the U.S. Interior Department's Office of Surface Mining Reclamation and Enforcement says there's plenty of work to go around. These what we call legacy sites, uh, previously reclaimed mine sites where reforestation opportunities exist. And in Appalachia alone, we have about one million acres that have been converted from native hardwood forest to a grassland or a scrub shrub cover type. In these legacy plantings, we try to go back and and basically restore the forest, patch the holes in the forest with plantings just like this. We're trying to heal the wounds of past damage that's been done by mining in the anthracite area here of northeastern Pennsylvania. That's Wilkes University professor Ken Klimo, who brought some of his biology students out to help at our 2017 planting in Pinchot State Forest. He says it's a whole new approach to repairing the damage. In the past, they used to plant grasses and uh, legume plants, and now we're trying this new process of planting trees, which would be a much more sustainable process and it should be allowing for uh, nature to really be taking over. This year, PEC is coordinating planting events on three sites in Pennsylvania. Normally, this is the part where I'd be urging you to sign up if you are near one of those sites. But as it turns out, we already have more volunteers than we can accommodate at all but one event. That would be Moshannon State Forest near State College. You can still get in on the fun at Moshannon on May 4th by RSVPing at PECPA.org slash Mashannon. You'll want to do that quickly, though. These uh, spots are filling up fast. Again, check out PECPA.org slash Mashannon. That's M-O-S-H-A-N-N-O-N. By the way, uh, not to worry. There are lots of other plantings planned for this month by other organizations. We have listed a few of those in the show notes at PECPA.org. Philadelphia Eagles put up 28 field goals last season, and that means Neshaminy State Park along the Delaware River in Lower Bucks County is about to gain another 280 trees, courtesy of the team. 
Over the last 15 years, the Eagles have staked a claim as the greenest team in pro sports. And they've done that by doing things like making energy efficiency upgrades at their facilities, diverting stadium waste from landfills, offsetting their carbon emissions, and a whole lot of other activities. Those efforts earned the Eagles the Industry Innovation Corporate Sustainability Award at last year's Philadelphia Environmental Partnership Dinner hosted by PEC. Director of Guest Experience, Norman Voschulta, was our guest last summer on Pennsylvania Legacies. That was back in July. He returns now with an update on the team's Go Green initiative, as well as plans for another round of reforestation work at the site known locally as Eagles Forest. Norman, welcome. It's great to have you back on the show. Hey, good uh, good to be with you. Thank you. So I wanted to talk about the Eagles tree planting program, the, uh, the, the Field Goal Forest program. Why reforestation? Where does uh, where does tree planting fit in with what you guys are doing? Your strategy and your goals around sustainability. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, tree planting has been part of our Go Green initiative for actually quite some uh, time now. Originally, when we built uh, the building in 2003, we um, had a few core initiatives that we really focused on uh, with our sustainability um, uh, mission, if you will. And one of them was to offset uh, carbon emissions. And the easy thing that we looked at was like, well, you know, carbon emissions, we should look at uh, tra- player travel. Since in the NFL, you travel all over hmm. uh, the country and now the world, it seems. You know, there there might be a great opportunity there to offset uh, carbon emissions. How do you do that? Well, we looked into it, and it's uh, one of the best ways to do it is by planting trees. Uh, so the Conservation Fund, we actually partner with them because they have the expertise, and they know exactly how many trees you have to plant in order to offset a certain number of carbon emissions, right? And so what we um, decided to do is uh, establish a metrics of all the player travel and everything we use in the, in the various forms of transportation, give that number to the conservation fund, and then they decide how many trees we need to plant each year. Um, and so what we would do is we would actually then write a check for X amount of trees, and they would plant them in the what we call the Eagles Forest, right? It's really just an adapted or an adopted forest in northeastern Philadelphia in a uh, park. And over all these years, we've planted 7,500 trees about, and that offsets 7,500 tons of carbon emissions so far, which is pretty amazing. Mm. We, um, everyone always used to ask, what do you do to offset your carbons, to divert your waste? And nowadays, what people are asking, it seems like, is how do you engage fans and how do you help others learn the same? And so that's the big question in the industry, it seems like. And one of the ways to engage our fans this seems like a perfect marriage with the Philadelphia Gasworks, is to engage them uh, on a football level because fans come here to enjoy football, right? And when they watch a football game, can we somehow slide sustainability in there without coming across as too preachy or, you know, to, hey, look what we're doing, but rather just convey in a fun message, we really believe in this. And so we're going to plant trees for every field goal. Ten trees for every successful field goal was planted uh, 640 trees in two years, actually, which if you calculate it over, it's about 15 tons of CO2 just from that program alone uh, was offset in the last two years. And so the field goal trees are separate from the, the ones you were talking about earlier where you do the calculation and, and plant that number of trees. This is sort of over and above that? Yeah, so it actually goes just right uh, on top of it, right? So we um, have had the program of offsetting players' travel emissions for a long time now. 
and we've added this program on top of that. Correct. So you guys are a net carbon sink at this point. Are you, are you offsetting more <laughs> than you're than you're outputting? I, I, I would hope so. I mean, I, you know, if you would calculate that the next step for us is we're also, you know, we've looked into various things. I mean, what can, what else can we do, right? Can we figure out um, our front office travel? Can we, you know, all those things. I don't know if we're exactly in that thing, but we're, we're, we're pretty darn close, I would say. Absolutely. It's really moving in that direction. What else are you doing with your facility? Last time we spoke, it was a lot about energy efficiency improvements and uh, just sort of uh, at the facility level. What have you done since last time we spoke last summer? How are things coming with, with those upgrades? Well, I've, I've shared this with you last time, but, um, you know, this sustainability mission that we're on is really a journey, right? And so you kind of always discover new things and curveballs get thrown your way in this industry, you know, whether it's uh, from a government, uh, you know, initiative or whether it's from, uh, you know, something that you can't control. Uh, I'll give you an example. The uh, composting, we used to compost quite a bit uh, in the building, such as plastic bottles and and uh, the composting facility in Delaware was shut down. Um, and so we had to look at other composting facilities, and there really weren't were very many around. And we found one, but they uh, have much more stringent rules. And so we had to uh, reinvent our wheels a little bit over here. And that's what happens when you're on this journey, right? But there's two things you can do. One is you can say, well, unfortunately, at this point, you know, we have to send everything to energy from waste. But we looked into it. That can't be the answer, right? There has to be a different answer, and so we decided, oh, what about biodigesters? We've heard about this, and, you know, we've seen that, uh, you know, maybe in some other facilities like large casinos, hotels around the world. And so we installed one at, all, at our training facility, a smaller one, um, for the front office and the football training staff over there, and it worked really well, so we decided to install uh, one in the stadium. And we've diverted tons of food waste uh, that way, which is pretty amazing, food waste that now doesn't have to go to a landfill either. And so that's new. And then the other thing we looked into um, as a, in my travels, especially in Europe, LEED certification wasn't very much a standard over in Europe. Um, ISO, um, especially ISO 21-1, was talked about heavily over there. And so we kind of looked into it and we said, well, what, what is ISO? And we found out that it's pretty much a manual for a sustained sustainability program in any company. Uh, we looked at whether that can be translated to a stadium or a facility such as ours, and we were able to do that because it's a pretty dynamic um, program. And uh, we are the first uh, sports team, as far as our knowledge, to become lead, I mean, uh, ISO 21 to 1 certified. Uh, so that was a really interesting journey because we discovered quite a bit that we can involve so many more people in our organization into our sustainability efforts. Um, which was exciting to us because we feel like this has to be interwoven into our DNA in the entire organization uh, for it to work and for it to be sustainable so that if one person who runs this thing uh, leaves, it doesn't just die with that person. It, it keeps going. And along those lines, you've also taken some steps on use of um, single-use plastic packaging, uh, plastic straws in particular. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, talk about that. How's that going over? You're the director of guest experience. How are, how are guests experiencing that change? Uh, well, uh, so as you know, um, straws has become the, it seems like, next big thing in our industry, right? Uh, from uh, large uh, corporations uh, worldwide uh, eliminating straws or single plastics, we've kind of, uh, you know, hit that road as well, and we decided, okay, we got to eliminate some of these straws, but as you just alluded to, uh, fans love uh, straws, and they're kind of used to it just as much as fans used to or people used to love paper photographs, right? And now now we have them in digital format and everyone's fine with it. So uh, paper straws used to be uh, pretty, you know, um, 
they had a very short uh, lifespan as far as uh, usage when, you know, people complained about the feel on the lips or whatever. But we actually, we don't have paper straws in the building now. We have a, it's a plant-based straw and it's 100% recyclable or compostable straw that we have currently in the building. The cost is a little bit more than uh, what our plastic straws used to be, but that wasn't going to hinder us. So we eliminated those and now paper straws have actually become a lot better as well um, and a lot more user-friendly. So we're looking into that, but we're taking it a step further and we're currently actually looking into cups with lids. I know that there's various uh, big uh, chain selling coffee out there that already have those in use. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, people said, well, I don't want a sippy cup, but at this point, people, especially the millennial generation, they're actually okay with it. And so uh, from a consumer perspective, we really have not received any backlash whatsoever. Uh, for our current use of straws, and we're going to test out the lids and see if that even is a way to get to eliminate straws completely, which would be amazing. So it's always taking the next step, and what can you do? And, and as far as fan experience uh, is concerned, we really don't sit in a room and say, oh, you know, people want straws, so we're not going to do that. We will always test it out, and we always like to take baby steps. We don't just make the change, you know, from uh, yesterday to today. Uh, and then if the baby steps work, we, we implemented a little bit more. So we started in our suites, uh, suite levels, then we went to our club levels, and now it's the whole building, simply because we have not received any backlash whatsoever. No one has come forward and said, hey, where's my plastic straw? You know, And uh, we believe it's going to be the same probably down the road with lid cups or anything like that. So. Well, I think I've, I've seen these uh, like bioplastic straws. I'm not sure if it's the same if we're talking about the same thing, but uh, a lot of these you wouldn't really know the difference anyway. I, mean, I wonder if people are even aware that you have swapped out the product that you're using. Most people aren't exactly. You 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 hit the nail right on the head there. Um, people really aren't. I mean, and again, people are here to see a football game. They really don't care so much what their soda is served in, right? Sure. Um, you know, if if it is a container that holds their soda. And on, on top of it, there might be a lid on it that where the soda can't spill. That's even better, you know. And on, on top of it, if you can convey to the fans that this is for uh, a good purpose, uh, I think fans are even more apt to uh, adapt it and say, oh, this is great. Of course, we're going to be part of this. Let's circle back a little bit and talk more about Eagles Forest. Could you sort of describe the site and where it sits in the city for people that might not be familiar with the geography and, you know, why you chose that specific location? Absolutely. So... It's about 6.5 acres is the footprint. It's located in Ben Salem's Neshaminy State Park. It was established in 2008, and this was through the partnership, and I mentioned this earlier, with the Conservation Fund and also the PA Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And like I've said earlier, over the past two years, our partnership with PGW, the Philadelphia Gas Works, has added about 640 trees to that eagle's forest. We could have gone upstate into the Poconos, right, and planted trees, somewhere randomly on, on state land or, you know, that maybe people wouldn't have been able to really enjoy. But this, uh, this state park is actually a 300-acre Pennsylvania state park. And, you know, people by the thousands uh, venture there and, and enjoy the state park. Uh, and one of our goals uh, when we set out on our reforestation effort was how can we educate state residents on forest preservation and maintenance, right? And so that's actually part of, you know, when anybody shares about that park up there or when, you know, school classes go up there or anything like that, then... That's being shared, you know, in the, in, the pa- in the past, we actually had programs where fans were able to adopt trees in the Eagles Forest. It was received well. Again, there is a, a fine balance between communicating football and communicating uh, sustainability efforts. Mm-hmm. And some of our fans, I wouldn't say most, but some of our fans are very interested in sustainability, where most fans are interested in football. That doesn't mean that not all fans want sustainability, of course. I would venture to say that, right? But 
in an effort to uh, reach most fans, we had to decide, well, what was a bigger way to reach fans? And that's where the whole field goal for uh, planting trees came in as an initiative. And we ventured away from adopting trees. But at, at one point, we did have that program, and it was actually pretty successful. Last time we spoke, uh, part of that conversation was about where the Eagles fit within your industry you know, in, in the leadership sense. Are mm. other organizations following your lead or doing similar things? I'm wondering if that's changed at all. Are you seeing more uh, momentum within professional sports toward these ideals and goals that the Eagles have embraced? I would say my answer is twofold on this subject. The great thing about our team and the NFL is that we are rivals on the field, but we're partners off the field, right? And we have no problem sharing with each other success stories on um, social responsibility. And that is the second part of my answer is that even with the Green Sports Alliance we partner with, like it has really become a social responsibility subject, the yeah, sustainability, which is very interesting. I think that um, in the past there was quite a bit of a separation between environmental sustainability and social responsibility. But we've had a couple players now that have been really involved in the community and have said, hey, I want to build this park so that kids can come out and play in a safe space. Well, so the two are married, right? Sustainability, because you're building a park, you're building a green space, which is healthy, which is good for the environment. But guess what? It also has a social responsibility impact on the environment because now kids have a safe place to play and you're making the city a, a better place and you're making your environment a, a more healthy place. And so um, I think that's where it's, it's becoming a little bit more interesting in the sports sector because in the past, social responsibility, I would say, has definitely been more in the forefront of uh, a lot of players, of a lot of um, staff in, in sports. Uh, that might be because of the demographics of where some players come from or li have lived and uh, it makes makes complete sense, right? Um, but now that social responsibility is filtering into sustainability, you really have seen a little bit of a shift in the industry that the two go hand in hand, right? When we build a playground every year in the city of Philadelphia, for us, it has always been this it's a social um, responsibility act where we make a school better and give a kids a, a safe place to play. But it has really also become a sustainability mission of just making uh, the city of Philadelphia a healthier place and a more eco-friendly place, if you will, in some spots, right? Little by little, chipping away on that. Urban development that has happened over the, since the Industrial Revolution and now going back to some of the sustainability efforts. And that, that I think, is, is huge in the sports industry at large. Is it that those two are becoming intertwined? Well, it does seem that there's there, historically there's been this sort of dichotomy between you know environmentally responsible progressive action and I don't know what's perceived as some version of the public interest. In other words, that you have to pick one or the other. Like you can't do good environmental policy without costing jobs or costing somebody money. And in fact, right. they actually complement and and reinforce one another. You're improving quality of life for for residents. People can take advantage of the park at the same time that you're taking carbon out of the air. Yeah. And there's some really cool things happening around the world, right? I mean, I just read an article of um, two students in Israel developing or having developed moss that is actually tiles for buildings made out of moss. And that moss supposedly can absorb a lot more carbon dioxide than a tree. And so it, it's really cool. And that's the kind of stuff that as you are on this journey, you can really look into and say like, whoa, this might be the next thing for our training facility or, you know, that's what's so exciting. Like we, um, one of our partners is Brascom, and we just talked to them, and, and we're already uh, taking 
the bottle caps off of every water bottle, and then those bottle caps, they're actually um, processed and becomes like a filler material for, let's say, a park bench, or they, they create all these things out of it. We actually created a Lombardi trophy that we put out in the Headout Plaza, <laughs> which was really good because we won the Super Bowl, uh, in, in case you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did hear something about that, yeah. So... Um, we, uh, you know, that was really exciting, but so we were able for people to give them the Lombardi trophy and take pictures out there. It was a, like a really big one, but also we were able to share the story of, hey, this is from the bottle caps of all the water bottles in the stadium, right? So it's a really neat uh, story there that transitions and comes full circle for fans, speaking of fan engagement. There's all these things that are happening, and when we just met with them, they, uh, they said there's this energy bag, and if we take all the shrink wrap of everything you get delivered, we can actually take all that shrink wrap uh, you know, press it down, put it in this energy bag, and then they create filler material to give it a second life, and they create drywall out of it. And I was like, this is incredible. The stuff you learn when you're on this journey. So now we're actually implementing that. We're going to have these energy bags, and we're going to try to collect all of our shrink wrap from everything that gets delivered here. And then hopefully one day it'll get processed for a second life application, and maybe we can even build something in the stadium out of those drywalls, right? And then put a plaque on there that says, "Hey, this is from the trash that was uh, that that came into this building." You know, so that's the that's the journey that we're on that we're constantly discovering, which I think is exciting because, especially with the millennial generation who was really interested in the subject because it affects them and their future, it really is getting a little bit more exciting. And I think the momentum is there. You know, and that's that's what we like to be part of as well. Well, it's, it's really cool and really exciting. I hope you'll keep us posted on whatever your next uh, innovation is. Uh, congratulations on everything you've accomplished, and, and best of luck with, uh, with the reforestation work going forward. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Norman Foschulta is Director of Guest Experience for the Philadelphia Eagles. You can find links to learn more about their Go Green initiative in the show notes for this episode or by digging up Pennsylvania Legacies number 77 from July 2018. You'll find both of those on the PEC website at PECPA.org, along with our full back catalog, almost 100 episodes strong now. While you're there, check out the events calendar for info on our upcoming tree planting and illegal dump site cleanup events going on in the spring as well as our awards dinners planned for the next couple of months in Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, and Philadelphia. There's lots going on. You can get the rundown at techpa.org slash events. Videos, blogs, news from the Policy Shop, much more on the website, too. Check it out at techpa.org. Follow us on Twitter at P-E-C-P-A. And you can connect with us on Facebook as well if you're into that sort of thing. Back with another show in two weeks. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Wallerson. Thanks for listening.